0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to BPX Breakroom, broadcast live each Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital, that's digital with a J, a show that breaks down all the opportunities and explanations in the Blockpacks ecosystem. I'm Discord user Jen Khan, not just host of BPX Breakroom, but also one of the largest whales in the BPX ecosystem. And now without further delay, let's hear from this week's guest co host
1: Hey everybody, this is Discord user Slappy White with Radish Digital. That's Digital with a J. You can find us at on Twitter at or X at Radish Digital, Digital with a J as well as RadishDigital.com. This is BPX Break Room featuring Jen Con. Jen has returned from her sabbatical. Uh, we're looking to possibly get Frenchie on the show with her this Wednesday. Of course, reveal day for the wonders is going to be Thursday. So Frenchie's obviously busy, but we'll see if we can get him. Be Jen's inaugural return guest. In the meantime, we're doing a very special BPX break room. As you know, normally it's Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Today we're doing it live Monday at 10 a.m. And why are we doing that? Well, because of boxing lessons. And I'm really excited to talk to the guest that we have today. I'm excited to hear about what he does in Web3, how he serves a purpose, how he feels about Block Packs, his experience in Web3, and also just to learn a little bit more about them. When you click on their bio, what pops up says I speak English, French, German. When you try to schedule a spaces with them, they mention that they are um, they they're they're busy because they're going to be going to their boxing lesson. So interesting all around. Excited to talk to James. James, welcome to BPX Break Room.
2: Thank you very much for introducing me. Um, I, yeah, and yeah.
1: I was just going to say, James, is that can you start off first with um, because you are a flipper in the community and you're not there every day like most people is, let's talk about the nervousness. So you're obviously somebody who works on the blockchain, security is paramount. So James, do you mind if I share um, the comment you just made when we went live? Yeah, Even sure. though we've no talked problem. back and
2: forth. Yeah, no problem.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so you said, uh, you you mentioned uh, we were going back and forth when we were trying to work out the technical problems. And he said, I won't lie, That whole situation seems sketchy right now when he was talking about us connecting. So, James, as somebody who's moving assets back and forth on the blockchain all the time, you must be incredibly paranoid about clicking on emails, on texts, on approving any MetaMask transactions. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so James, let's talk about you. Okay, so you speak French, English and, and German. Yeah. So do you mind sharing which country you're in?
2: Uh, Switzerland.
1: Okay, and are you? is that where you're from originally or have you moved around a bit? Uh, originally. Okay, cool. And so you are now, of course, Switzerland's uh, broken down between French and uh, German primarily. And so did you grow up primarily a French speaker or a German speaker? Uh, French. Okay. And so now web3. Let's let's talk a little bit about your web3 experience. So you I think you mentioned the Blockpack's Discord that that you said this is my job and I think you might have done the laugh out loud. But is this in fact is flipping your only job right now? Yeah okay and so how how many how many years has it been going on just since the bull run started in 2019 or does it go back even longer than that
2: um honestly I started mostly like um in the beer market like um, I think one and a half year ago and the yep. thing is like um uh, i mostly started a bit i didn't have much capital at that time and um and just i have like an eco because it's a bit... Oh when I speak, I hear Wait. myself twice.
1: Oh okay. Um let's see. Uh it's not on this side, James, but I know that uh, I know that how, how frustrating that can be yeah, when you do okay. that.
2: It's okay. So um <laughs> I started one and a half year ago and um I mostly started with not much capital, but I started botting things. Like uh, mostly like you see those flip bots or anything that has to do with weaves, meaning like… Well,
1: actually, James, James, let's back up for a second. So you mentioned you started in the bear market. Mm so and and you do this now full time what were you doing before and what made you decide oh i'm going to get involved in the blockchain and i'm going to i'm going to deal with bots we have people in our community who've been on the blockchain for years and you know i i'm not i'm no expert but i don't know anything about bots i've never used bots well i don't want to say i don't know anything i'm not qualified to use them so what triggered you a year and a half ago to say, hey, I'm gonna do something with bots, and and had you done anything with the blockchain before? Had you ever bought cryptocurrency before?
2: Uh, I never did before that. Mostly, my motivation so, so was um, I didn't know what to do, what what to do with my life, and I just want freedom, and to have freedom, you need money. <laughs>
1: So, that's awesome that, people have
2: mixed and, and emotions so, about so flippers but Hawk, when past, I know you have a particular but why why um, choose that
1: one did you have any point friends about who were flippers doing it, or, or, or did that? you just see it in the news and you were intrigued by um, um I did uh, I just
3: kind of crunched some numbers uh, about joke. two years ago that's during the it. height of the nft Okay. Um, um, and run. so and so then immediately get involved and
1: how soon sure, after you started getting involved in all the, projects the blockchain did you start using bots that
3: were uh, projects that were popular after flippers after were definitely necessary space.
1: and what they did okay. is they so provided why did you inventory that for the demand to that was be like okay I'm actually going to do something with bots did you see somebody else using it you have investors successful did you read something about it Or what made you decide to get started what happens is I mostly looked
3: at the market and I found that inventory like, uh, um, say nfts they get locked up by collectors and investors and the first so time when i new saw that someone the ability uh, to grow the someone project something at um, point two point five. i was extremely hard that because the inventory is very low and i did it manually so at first um, and, and that's when flippers and have bots. a
2: really good purpose and for it, a really it healthy out. ecosystem. It, it was just to took a long time. And
1: when I found out there for the were people bots that it, are
3: looking to get into
1: the project or want to expand their holdings within a project. Wow! And so now that you you said it was three months in, so you've been using bots for about a year now. Yeah. Okay. And so, do you only do bots, or do you still do manual trades? Um,
2: both, both, but mostly bots. But like I have some different kind of strategies where it involves manual trading.
1: Okay, and well, and I'm curious about that. I'm not. We don't want you to give away all your secrets. Yeah, sure. But can you share any anything with us in terms of manual? Like, what what do you do that's manual? Um, I can't. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's good. Right. And so how many, since you came in a year and a half ago, how many, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, that's really fascinating that you came in in the bear market, not the bull market, which also shows even though 90% of NFT projects are are gone, the value's down 90% in the remaining ones, is there's still money to be made, which you're showing that over the last year and a half. How many projects total would you say that you've you've flipped in? Uh, probably over five hundred, maybe
2: a thousand. I don't know.
1: Yeah. James, would you say it's around twenty or a hundred? Which of those two?
2: Oh, I said around five hundred at least.
1: Oh, around 500 at least. Oh, sorry. Didn't hit. Okay, so 500. That's insane. And so you're in the Blockpacks Discord. So how many of these projects you've done 500? Obviously, I think Discord still has a limit of 100 communities you can belong to. Of course, you can create five profiles. But of the 500 projects that you flip it in and out of, you've you've come into the block packs community mm-hmm. and registered there how many of the 500 would you say you actually join the discord
2: oh not not much <laughs> i mostly don't even go to the Discord. i just need Sorry. data
1: um, ten. like um
2: yeah okay. so what made you decide with the connection is a bit bad right now yeah.
1: Oh, James, sorry about that. You hear me? Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, it worked now. Okay, it's better. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, James is so of the five hundred projects you flipped in and out of. You're in only in the Discord of t- maybe ten or twenty, right?
2: I mean, it depends, honestly. Most of most of the time, I don't have to go into Discord, but like um, if there are some sketchy things. Happening around the sales and everything, I go to the Discord to verify some some
1: things. was well, send so that?
2: And um, most of the time, I do, yeah.
1: No, so. no, no, sorry. Most of the time, what? Uh,
2: most of the time, I don't have to go into the Discord of the project. I don't even have to know about the project.
1: Okay, and so that's interesting that you said that you usually only go into the Discord if there's something sketchy. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. the Block packs community for those of us who've been around for over two years is that we certainly know that it's a it's a concrete company it has physical items it has a track record it has leadership with an established businessman and so there's certainly nothing sketchy about it but it's interesting originally did you join the blockpacks discord because there was something concerning you about it and that's why you went to join
2: um no in that case it was more like um i want to do some conviction plays i saw the thing with the airdrop and yeah okay that, that's mostly at that time i need to have information of the project because things
1: can change rapid. so how many conviction plays would you say you've done over the 500 that you've done in the last year and a half how many were conviction plays
2: honestly not many i didn't do many conviction plays i just started like a you know, one month ago it's more like to play around a bit okay yeah <laughs> but it's not really the thing at well all. and i
1: think i saw where you wrote something that you actually it was a very uh succinct comment you made where you said actually the block packs the block packs project is actually one of the ones you actually like so you're you're going in and out 500 projects constantly all the time like a day trader in stocks But with block packs, there's actually something more to it. So when you say conviction, you mentioned that you'll probably be back. But are you planning on holding? And I can't recall, James, tell us, have you held any lost miners or wonder spots? Or did you just flip in and out of all of them and you don't hold any right now? I don't hold any right now I just flipped them okay and so you don't you so and you understand what's happening with the wonders of the first you understand how the reveal is going to be this Thursday and you could possibly have the first the first nft on, after the ETH merge on proof of stake right yeah and but you're looking at it strictly from business and you know that you're making your margins and you're not gonna you don't want the lottery ticket you don't want a one in five thousand chance of of getting that right Okay. And so you mentioned you might come back, but did you, and this is a conviction play. So how is this different than your usual flips? If if you're not, and, and this isn't meant, I'm not saying it in an accusatory way, but you're not holding a position. So how would this be different than the ones that are not conviction plays? Because you might come back and, and buy a wonder long-term or, or a minor long-term?
2: because like the, the thing that for me is uh, a big problem in the nft space is that most of the time projects fail because of the team or because they don't know what they're doing or because they do something wrong and they don't understand the nft space uh, but what what's the biggest thing that interests me in the lost miles or wonders or anything is that it's a historical nft mm-hmm. meaning that it's the the value it, you get from it isn't like derived from the team ah. like the team could fail and it doesn't matter Yep. and that's the biggest thing because like most of the project, you can see that they can fail at any time because of the team right and in that case it wouldn't be like the team could like almost rock and never come back and it wouldn't matter that much because at some time it still has like historical value and that's mostly why people are buying
1: So James, that's a very interesting take on. You, as somebody who's been involved with 500 projects over the last year and a half, and I can say that even during the bull run, I don't know anybody was involved with 500 projects. I would tell folks that I was involved with over 30 projects during the bull run, and that's a lot. But 500 is a number that I haven't seen anyone else encounter. So it's interesting to get your perspective where you talk about the fact that what you like about Lost Miners and Wonders of the First is the historical significance, which of course we all recognize, we all value. But we we never separate it from the team. So it's interesting that you do make that di- difference. It, you, you make it a differential. So let me ask you this. Have you, because you're working with 500 teams going in and out so much, have you seen, and I don't want to focus on the team too much because that's clearly not your focus, but have you seen much about the team at Blockpacks? Does it make a difference to you or are they no different than any of the other 499 projects you've been involved with, you you just don't have enough time to go and see how they're doing and, and it doesn't matter to you.
2: Uh, I never
1: looked at them. I don't know anything about the team. Okay. And so at this point, it's a conviction play because of the historical significance. So is there any project of the 500 you've got into where you're in it because you like the team and you believe in the team and what they're doing or that that's never enters? Uh, no. No. Okay. And and you don't plan to change that anytime soon.
2: I do so, but when I have enough like uh, liquid to play with that, because in my opinion, investing in projects and everything is possible. If you can't like, if you have a lot of money but not much time, that's a great possibility. But if you have a lot of time and you can use that money to make more money out of it, I feel like you should should like invest later on.
1: Yeah no I, I you sound like you should be a financial planner the way you're talking James is that you you 100% are you're you're preaching to to responsible investing so you've been doing this a year and a half and you know I will ask I understand if you want to say pass but in the year and a half can you give us a ballpark of how much money you think you've made doing it uh, three digit three digit on if Three digits on ETH. So so in terms of, when you say three digits on ETH, you're not talking about the Swiss franc. You mean like in terms of over 99 ETH worth. Yep. So somewhere between 99, 99 and 999 ETH is what you're saying. Yeah, is that correct, in, on the
2: lower end, way lower end, but
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, and I know you don't want to um, talk about... Um, Talk specifically about the details. That's why I'm giving the wide range. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when what would you say over this past year and a half where block packs with wonders of the, well, now wonders of the first, but also lost miners, where would you say you that fits in in terms of how much money you've made? Has it Does it rank in your top 10, your top 20, or is it just one of the 500?
2: Uh, one of the 500, honestly.
1: Okay. I made well, may
2: maybe four or five eve on it. I don't know.
1: Okay, and so, would does any project stand out to you that you, where you really made a lot of money? Um,
2: I don't know. I flipped once uh, Elemental for four Eve, Kongs for three, like a Genkai. The one one was me. Oh wow! Um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm mostly I'm not the type of guy that makes a lot of money on one project. I'm mostly like I eat a bit on every project and let it go because like I don't like to be greedy with my
1: place. Yeah. I like how you said that. You said you eat a little bit in each project, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and is speaking of, I, I, I like that personal trait is that, James, we can't do this. As I mentioned before, we, we couldn't do this at our normal time, broadcast live in X Spaces at noon Eastern because wh- why can't you do it at that time? Six o'clock uh, your time in Switzerland?
2: Uh, because I have boxing training.
1: Okay. And how many years have you been training in boxing?
2: Um, honestly, I just started out about three, four months ago. But, like, I'm oh, mostly always doing sports. So,
1: yeah. And why did you decide just to pick up boxing? Um, because of Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And have you had – it's only been three or four months. So, I assume you have done any – you know i i'm a casual boxing fan so obviously doing some sparring in your training but in terms of an amateur bout when when will you be ready to actually do and do you want to do an amateur bout uh honestly i'm still not sure like
2: my coach said i should like train a bit more i could do some but like um i mostly just want to learn how to fight i didn't i don't like have any ambition like professionally or anything
1: Right, and what do you, um, I know it's going to be hard for the American audience, it's primarily the audience here, but we do have some international listeners, so we get a sense of what kind of weight class you are, how many meters tall are you, and how Uh, many stones, as the British would say, how much do you
2: weigh? uh, I'm 180 around, and I'm like 80 kilos. Uh, 80
1: 80 kilos?
2: Yeah, kilogram.
1: Okay, okay. I will have to look that up afterwards. My conversion is not that quick. All right. I so we can feel, see we're like going
2: it's up. 170 LBS or something like that. I don't
1: know. Okay. And in around six feet tall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, it, be sure to share in the blog. I know you're not in many discords, but you come back the first time you're going to have about you share that link and we'll all watch and support you. All right. Another question, which is just a smaller one, but you go by James 007 in the Discord, why the James 007?
2: Um, because I needed a nickname and I didn't know anything. So I was like James and then someone said like James Bond and then I made like 007.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, so no particular reason, not no, no. not your favorite movie, not trying try to emulate it. Uh, all right, and so just to wrap up with the the flipping. So when it comes to, you mentioned you do both manual and bots in flipping. And when it comes to the the Blockpacks community, is it only bots or do you do any manual stuff in Blockpacks as well? Um, only bots. Okay, only bots. And so I'm curious why you come into the Discord and talk a little bit. Is it, if it's only bots, I would think you wouldn't have to talk in the Discord. And by the way, I'm glad you're there. It's great to engage you. I'm glad you came on this so we could talk with you. But I'm curious, why do you get involved? It seems like you could spend more time looking for more projects that you could do flips in with your bots. Uh,
2: honestly, just because sometimes I'm a bit bored. <laughs> Nothing. More. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it's just bored, and and that fills your time. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Well,
1: would I, I was going to say, James, that I sent you a link to all the all the podcasts that we've done around this space. And so I'll go ahead and curate it and I'll find a couple. So when you're bored, you can listen a little bit and you can actually hear from the owner is called uh, his name is Jeff French, but people call him Frenchy. And you, have you ever heard uh, spaces with him? Have you ever heard the the owner of the project speak before?
2: Uh, no, I didn't.
1: Okay then i think i see that uh, b jams is listening in and so also i i see susko's in here i see petrarca's in here so it listening live in this reboot after we got rugged and anybody who has a suggestion on a, a particular frenchie episode is that we can recommend to david uh to james 007 we'll go ahead and recommend that because there's there's over 100 podcasts that we have now that we've done in this space over the past year. So we'll go ahead and we'll get you one particular one just to give you a listen so you can hear about the team. Because I, w- I want to see, James, if we can convince you that maybe the team does matter. Because I if you've been involved for the last year and a half, you've seen that it's very hard for these NFT projects to survive. And it's interesting because you go in the Discord a little bit. But do you notice a difference with block packs? Is that the level activity? And, and you I'm saying it almost hopefully, because that's what I see in the projects I'm involved in, but I'm not involved in 500. Do you see more activity in the Discord, more activity in the volume trading of the, the block packs items than most projects? Because as you know, dur- during the bear market, it's shrunk. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, the thing that makes me like bullish also is like the community is really diamond handing ev- everything meaning I still remember like it was like eight months ago or something like that it was like the floor price went up from like point one to like point five. And there was almost like nobody listing, like nobody on the <laughs> and everything. I was like, damn, that shit could like run. Like, heavy. <laughs> because like, at some points, historical value is like still always a thing like the the thing with those projects is that if the value goes up to one ETH, there will all be, always be some people that will be like, "That's worth one ETH," and at at that point, it's not like someone will undercut and everything, but more like it it gives it gives it evidence and mean and meaning at some point. Like the the higher the floor price, the better it is. And for other projects that are like reliant on like some token or anything. You still have some restriction on the speculation part because, like, if the token is I don't know, like, at a market cap of 10k, you can expect the the collection to be at like a 10e floor price, you know. And yeah, honestly, sure. I feel like uh, the the community is extremely strong. The narrative is really big, and if it runs, I feel like it could be a really big collection.
1: Well, we hope when you've built up enough liquidity, you come back and you become a diamond hander with the rest of us. Do you think you could do that, James?
2: Yeah, for sure, honestly. But like, it depends mostly if I can make that capital happen before, like the bull run or not, <laughs> it's mostly there. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, I was thinking about like the loss Miners did dump a lot after I weaved. And I was like an entry at point eleven, but I feel like it won't go that low because the thing is, right now the lost miles are pretty low because of the all those flippers are, that are in it and the farmers because they list, but um, especially also because like the collection doesn't have much volume. Like right now there is a lot of volume because the price uh, got way lower, but I think like if those like paper ends and all those flippers are out, it's gonna go back at least point fifteen, point fifteen point sixteen
1: so so you think that's you you think that's where it'll settle you think it'll settle back up to the 0.15 area
2: yeah at least in the next
1: two weeks i would say
2: afterwards
1: it's already new (laughs) yeah no that's i think that's where a lot of the members of the community feel as well and then of course if wonders of the first becomes a successful collection to your point the historical significance the belief is that folks will want to have a companion piece both in the lost miners and in the wonders of the first. All right. Well, so let me ask you this about the the final thing I'll ask you about with the the, the bots is that there's one there's one uh, botter in our community, Bonia. I think is that he's. I also think he's. I think he's from Germany. He's from Europe as well, and he has said to folks, he's like, listen, you just need to get a bot. So how hard? Let's ask you this, James. If someone wanted to get a bot and start doing some of the activities that you do, how hard would it be for them to get a bot? Did you just go to a prepaid service and will you just pay for it and then you tell it what to do? Or did you actually program it yourself?
2: Um there are NFT collections that I use to to have those bots. It's like NFT in it and butler.
1: Okay, and, and so you pay you pay once up front for the bot or you pay monthly for it? Uh
2: you can pay like once and you have the bot, but there are different fun, like uh, features you can add and for that you need to to pay monthly.
1: Okay, and and do you go all out and just buy every feature you can? Do you take advantage of that or do you just get kind of the base level?
2: Um I mostly like um on the on one collection, the thing is they have another collection where you can uh, like pay monthly, or you can have like different NFTs from them that gives you like uh, points. And with those points, you can buy the features. And I bought them pretty low since I was bullish, like uh, for 0. 12, I think I bought like 20 or something. And now it's like point four. And honestly, I, I mostly don't have to pay pay for features since I generate enough points, but I could sell those features also to other people
1: that's great uh all right well so is there anything that you want to um leave the any final thoughts that you had james that you want to share with the community anything you want to say about either flipping or anything you want to say to the to the members of the block packs community which you, the folks are starting to get to know you so anything you want to say to either subject i feel like i'm
2: i was pretty surprised that i wasn't getting insulted when i flipped the project <laughs> Because most of the time <laughs> I, I, I get insulted and everything. I don't care mostly because like uh, in the end, like most people are here for profits, be it long term or short term. And uh, most people that insult like flippers is mostly because like they don't know much about the economy. Yeah
1: yeah i i think you i think you summarize that perfectly all right well james you're obviously welcome in the Blockbacks community we're glad to have you there we appreciate you providing liquidity so folks who have real life emergencies they have to pay for a car repair they're buying a house they need to take money out of the ecosystem and for them there are people like you when nobody as you mentioned it's a very diamond-handed community so flippers are people who are there to to transact, to get that money out. So I know it's not true for all of us, but for a number of us, that is the case. And I think that um, before you go, we'll just check, is that looks like Discord user Hawkwind, he came up on stage as that, Hawkwind, did you have any questions or comments for James007? James, did you, I'm not sure
3: if you're familiar with the term. Hawkwind? Can you hear me? Yep, you're there. Um, So uh, do you know um, about Cook, cook groups uh no i don't okay um then my question doesn't mean as much they're the ones that during the height of the nft like two years ago you would actually buy into a cook group a monthly service they would have some bots that they would rent out and then on top of it they would tell you when drops were happening and to go get them um, it, and they provided a service, essentially. I, it was really interesting because it was so hard to get into those cook groups and very expensive. And now they're not even around for the most part. And I just thought it was interesting how botting has also evolved very quickly, like the NFT space has, on the different ways that it actually works and the different services that, that it sells and provides to people.
2: Absolutely. Like, um I don't know much about those cook groups since uh, you mentioned two years ago, but I wasn't there in the NFT space at that time. But like uh, when it comes to bots and everything, I feel like the competition will go always higher. Like meaning using bots right now is still profitable. But I feel like if you start like in two years, it will be way more difficult because like it will be way more mainstream. And mostly the competition at lower levels is pretty high but at higher levels, it's way less.
3: Yeah, like, um, you know, one of the most famous of all is sneaker sneakers and buying sneakers. Um, yep. And that's where a lot of the um, botting community first started for the most part, or developed, I should say, quite greatly, and still is a huge thing. And there's so much competition in that area.
2: Absolutely, because like the profit margin is always like, always lower, and at some times, it, it's not worth it anymore.
3: Right, exactly, and that was my last question to you: Is have you actually, we, even with your bots, have you actually had things that uh, you've lost money on?
2: Absolutely. Like, uh, and how does that work? Yep.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry. How does that work? Like, how do you, how would one lose money even with a bot?
2: Uh, it's easy. Sometimes you can just fat finger, meaning if you make an offer instead of, instead of point fifteen, you make fifteen, you lose fifteen. Even. Oh, wow. Or, f- huh. for example, yeah. like... Um, wait, wait, yeah. hold on,
1: hold on. Wait, let's let's hear, James, your biggest fat finger. What's the most you lost on a fat finger trade?
2: I never really lost much on a fat finger. I feel like uh, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. Because, oh,
1: that's great. So, and you were going to say something else, James, though, for example? Yeah,
2: like uh, just on the fat finger part, the thing is I mostly am way too scared of that. That's why I mostly have <laughs> a lot of different wallets that work uh, independently with different amounts of ETH. So I can't really fat finger because like I have like specific wallets wallets for specific um, collections, and um, also on the other part, the, the thing that's way more like dangerous is migration, because like um, you can make offers and bot can like still run, and people take in bulk your offers and then you fucked. <laughs> like some people <laughs> lost like 10 if, 20 if. I was like, wow. yeah, like I got once, I got extremely lucky. It was like the Rare Pass, it was like a, an art project. It was like at a 9E e floor price and it went down in two hours at a 0.3 floor price because they got an airdrop. Wow. And yeah.
3: Yeah, I actually was in a project also um, and it was pretty volatile.
2: Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, that was and, a r- really huge crash, like someone's uh, lost 22 ETH, I think, another guy, 10 uh, wow. ETH, 5 ETH and everything. It was like, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and remember ETH back then
3: where worth more, I'm pretty sure.
2: No, but I mean, it wasn't like that and, long ago, but like
3: uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, oh, sorry. Then I was thinking of a different project like that. Wow, that was just recently. Yeah, yeah wow, that's it crazy. Was like
2: a huge stress. Nobody's talking about it since like, not few know about it, but like it's like I didn't trade for two days. I was like scared as fuck. <laughs> that shit was. A
3: scare. And, and that's what I wanted to bring up, especially to people listening. Is that there's an inherent risk with almost anything you do that involves money or crypto. And now no matter how good it sounds, there's stories like you just mentioned to us that you have to um, make sure you not only do you do your own diligence, but you're 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 acceptable to the risk factor that's involved. Yep. In other words, you're okay with that. Um, and or you have money
1: that you can lose that you're okay losing. Yeah. And in, in, in speaking of people being comfortable with that, of course, you have people who who have barely touched the blockchain. And so they need to be aware that they can lose quite a bit. But James, when you mentioned that the opportunity to use bots is greater now than it will be in two years when it goes more mainstream, the blockchain. It's interesting because I think there are still a lot of folks who question whether it ever will truly go mainstream who've been around for a couple of years and they say, hey, I've been here on the blockchain. I've been buying NFTs. I invest in cryptocurrency and and I don't see anybody else. Then you have another crowd that says, hey, it's still early. You are way early. So it, it isn't here yet. So do you think that different things, cryptocurrencies, digital assets, the blockchain, you feel in, in a couple of years that we'll see a, a greater penetration throughout the whole population? There'll be more people who will be involved. Absolutely.
2: Like I'm extremely bullish on the crypto space and I feel like we are early. Most of the time, the thing is that most projects say that, but they will still going to (laughs) die. But like overall, Mm -hmm. like the the whole space is extremely bullish and I feel like we're going to see things that will be like really, really crazy.
1: (laughs) Well, then it sounds like you got another great time if you're getting if you got if you started a year and a half ago during the bear market. So that's great. Oh, and then the final question I just got to ask you and I'll see if uh, Hawkwind has any other questions. For wonders of the first, I know you've been in there, I think just on the miners, but did you hold any lost miners at the snapshot to qualify for wonder spots? Did you get any wonder spots you could claim? Yep. And and how many did you claim? Uh, Six. And did you sell them already? Yep. Okay, and how many based on you buying the miner? And did you buy all those miners the day of the snapshot? Or did you actually hold any of them for longer than a day?
2: No, I, I bought them a week uh, before the snapshot.
1: Okay, and, and and how much on those six that you already sold How much money did you make or lose on the six wonders that you, the six wonders and 12 miners that you bought and sold?
2: Um, On overall, I sold like all my 12 lost miners and six wonders and I made 0.84
1: ETH. Okay, so 0.84 ETH. So it's, you're looking at at about 2000 US dollars. So about 1,600 US dollars in your position there. Yep. Wow, that's, yeah, no, that's, (laughs) I think anybody would love to take that. And then for, now the question is the physical booster boxes did you claim your physical booster boxes
2: uh no i didn't because like in my opinion you can just make an offer and probably get it lower.
1: okay so you haven't got that so can i ask you this question there are folks who are looking for um that are looking for booster boxes extra booster boxes because their allotment was only one or two and of course for you know claiming your wonders and claiming the booster box anybody can go and put your wallet and they can pay the gas to claim it for you so would you be open if anybody wanted to claim your physical boxes for you if they went ahead and claimed it and paid the bpx for it would you be willing to give your allotment to somebody in the community and then they just give you their address and send you'd send the boxes over to them?
2: Yeah, sure. If they give me the gas also and I don't have to pay anything, I don't mind. But like yep. most of the time, I don't think that much people would trust me. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't Did, care the, much. Like, if that makes someone happy, why not?
1: Yeah. No, I just wanted to see if it was out there. And I will say this community is built on trust. To your point is that you you do come in and out and you're in 500 communities. But conversely is that in our community is that's one of the things that if you stick around and learn is that that makes us different. People do do transactions worth worth hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars where they just send it first. Much of the trading in our community actually takes place off chain where we just agree to it and then we send one before the other. But I, I just had to ask that question because I know somebody's going to wonder if you bought your physical allocation and I just wanted to put it out there so we know. And and you had, what did you say, eight wonder spots? So you have eight booster boxes uh, six, available? Six. Six, Yeah. okay. All right. And and then just so you know, because I know you're always looking to – that's the point, and I don't begrudge you. You're looking to make a dollar here or there, is that there's really not a profit to be made right there. Really, right now what's happening is community members are helping out other community members, but it's not a strong enough demand that you can charge a premium. I don't think I've seen that before. I've seen people helping other people out. Mm. So just throwing that out there. But
2: No, I don't care. I sorry, go I ahead. can do it for free. I don't care, honestly. Like, that's not really yeah, a, no, that's- a, a price I would care much. <laughs> like it's
1: People have mixed emotions about flippers, but Hawkwin, I know you have a particular um, viewpoint about flippers. And what's that?
3: Um, I did some of my own research and um, kind of crunched some numbers about two years ago during the height of the NFT um, uh, run. And what I found out was, for sure... And all the projects where they had flippers that were um, projects that were popular, flippers were definitely necessary. And what they did is they provided inventory for the demand that was happening. A lot of times what happens on projects is that you have collectors, you have investors, and you have flippers. And you can also have a combo of any of those three. And what happens is a lot of the actual um, inventory, um, say NFTs, they get locked up with collectors and investors. So new people or the ability to grow the project um, with new people is extremely hard because the inventory is very low, thus the price is so high. Um, And that's when flippers enter in and have a really good purpose for a really healthy ecosystem to provide that inventory for the people that are looking to get into the project or want to expand their holdings within a project. And just one observation for people that are a little newer to this um, overall space in NFTs is um, flipping is a a category and then a subcategory of that is botting. So just to keep everything simple, you can flip and you can do it manually or botting. Um, so those are the two subsets where you do both. Most people do the actual manual flipping and they usually do it in a space where they actually have knowledge of or are joined to. And then the, um, there's a small amount that does botting because of the complexity, um, the amount of time you have to invest actually in it and tweaking it and knowing uh, what to do with it. And then the risk factor is just a little higher or a lot higher on the actual money you could lose but conversely, the money you can actually earn. So I just want to kind of put that out there. Botting is not something for everybody, even if you're really interested in it. Um, and you need to just take a look into it and make sure you do a little extra research if you're thinking about looking into botting
1: yourself. Yeah, that's a great thoughts point. On thoughts right. on that? And and James, we'll let get your thoughts on that, and then we'll let you any final words as well
2: yeah i mean like honestly using bots is like extremely risky if you don't know what you do <laughs> like uh you can lose everything like i i know a guy i know that's extremely good at botting he made like 66 ETH on blur and we compete most of the time but like um the thing is like he has like 32 eve in one wallet because he never did a fat thing and i told him not to do that but like there's, there will be a time when maybe he's gonna be tired and everything, and instead of making like point three, he could make thirty and it's over.
1: Ugh.
2: It's like like sometimes you just want to play with the fire and it's it's almost like your fault, you know? Like
1: Yeah. Wait, wait, so James, I, I didn't understand that. So he did make the fat finger trade he and he lost it, or he you're just saying he he did not yet. No. Okay, but he's playing with fire.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I really wouldn't. Like if you had like thirty ETH in a wallet, I would only go with things that have at least four E floor prices.
1: <laughs> yep. At yep. least. Alright, James. Yeah. All right. Well listen, James, we really appreciate you coming on. Maybe uh when you decide to diamond hand and hold some of the assets in the community, let us know. We'll have you back on. That'll be a great day. We're gonna go ahead and curate one of the podcasts we shared with you, and that'll be the one we'll recommend. Where It'll be something that from the from the owner of the project, and you can hear it directly from him. And that's gonna do it for uh, BPX Break Room. Gen Con's gonna be returning soon in her usual time slot, Wednesdays noon Eastern. This is Discord user Slappy White. We appreciate Discord user Hawkwind coming up on stage and joining James 07 joining us as well. James 007 was our guest. He's a flipper in block packs, provides liquidity. We asked him to come on, just talk a little bit about what motivates him, his experience with Block Packs. We appreciate his time. And of course, we appreciate you, the listener, for always joining us here. And just a reminder that in addition to BPX Breakroom, we also have BPX After Dark every Thursday at nine o'clock Eastern, as well as BPX After Dark Auction, Addiction, auction Edition, which will be returning once the auctions start up here in the next couple of weeks. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.
0: You've been listening to BPX Breakroom, which is broadcast live each Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital. That's digital with a jet. I've been your host, Discord user Jen Khan, and I wanted to thank today's co-host and you, the listener. A special thanks to those in the audience who raised their hand and came up on stage helping to make BPX the best community in Web3. BPX is a community built for collectors by collectors. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.